Welcome to Chicana and Latina Moms Podcast. This is our podcast. Un lugar donde hablaremos sobre la salud mental, cultura, como chicanas and Latina moms. La importancia de self-love, self-care, self-compassion. Y el recordatorio que somos chingonas. Y que esta es una revolución y una evolución para crear la mejor versión de nuestro ser. Because we can. Because calladitas, no more. You're listening to Chicana and Latina Moms podcast. The content is not intended to replace or substitute for any professional counseling or therapeutic advice. Les invito on YouTube. You can see this interview at Chicana and Latina Moms podcast channel on YouTube. Hola, Chicana and Latina Moms. ¿Cómo están? Espero que estén muy bien. And I'm doing pretty good. Staying organized as much as I can. Working smarter, not harder kind of thing. <laughs> and I love it. I really do. I love where I work, you guys. I'm a social worker at a dialysis clinic, and I'll be doing an episode on that because, wow, like never in my life did I think I was going to work in the medical field as a social worker. Y yo sé que Dios like, put me there, definitely. And I love it. I love it. Um, so that's where I'm at right now, and I still do therapy. I can't wait to get licensed so that I can post. Like, this is my vision, you guys, that I'm going to post and I'm going to say now accepting clients on my own, like in my center. That's just freaking amazing. I can't wait. So, pero pues me tengo que poner las pilas y estudiar porque esta cañón está. <laughs> este examen que dura cuatro horas. Like, it's crazy. So, I can do it. I got this. I got this. But anyways, you guys, um, we have a Chingona guest speaker today, Doctora Lorena Marquez, and the topic today is called, I am Esperanza, a Doctora Mom, and she's going to share with us her journey and her knowledge, her wisdom, so that we can learn from her and That is the whole purpose of all the Chingona guest speakers, you know, and this whole podcast, para aprender de cada una de nosotras, porque no estamos solas, and we are going to navigate this together in different ways, and that's the whole purpose. So let's get started and um, hear the episode with Dr. Lorena Marquez. Doctora Lorena Marquez began her new role at Cal State University, Los Angeles, as a director of the Cross-Cultural Centers in August 2020. She worked on the campus of Cal Poly Pomona for over 16 years in multiple roles. In June 2016, she began her role in the Office of Student Success in the Division of Academic Affairs, where she developed a transfer sending culture with community college partners and a transfer receptive culture at Cal Poly Pomona. 
Doctora Lorena Marquez is a first-generation Chicana feminist scholar practitioner using frameworks of critical race theory and lactric theory to center her work on intersectionally access, student success, and equity. Hola, Lorena. Gracias por estar aquí. Oh my God, it's so awesome to have you because I know you're going to share a lot of your wisdom and your knowledge as a first-gen doctora. It's like badass. And I want to learn from you and pick your brain too because that's always been in the back of my mind. So, <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. We actually found the time and got through some uh, technical difficulties, pero aquí estamos. Yeah, we made it work. So that's good. Yeah. So um, let the listeners know, you know, a little bit about you. ¿Quién es Lorena? That's a good question. I'm in a, a new season and I feel like I'm still figuring out quién es Lorena. Um, but what's helping me is the word of the, the year for me is play. So um, I'm thinking about little Lorenita. In terms of Guinness, mm -hmm. I'm thinking about like six-year-old me, what I used to enjoy doing, which I still enjoy doing, you know, I mean, I love to read, I love art, and I think because all of us were isolated, um, I'm putting a lot more time and intentionality around centering that, so play, and what does play look like for Lorena, for little Lorenita, um, and I like to say, um, you know, I'm a first-time Mom, I have a three-year-old. Uh, her name is Esperanza. So it's Esperancita and Lorenita playing together. And yeah. it's hard sometimes to just kind of allow yourself to get into that place where like modeling a child's play and models behavior or a child's behavior. So, um, but, you know, Lorena is, I like to say now, a mom who's working, um, a Jedi warrior who's you know, stands for justice, equity, diversity, inclusion, and any Star Wars fans, that's a nod to the Star Wars. <laughs> um, a bruja um, in terms of just the magia that I am uh, understanding in terms of as a, as a sound healer, as a intuitive, as an educator, as a scholar practitioner, um, and then just, you know, a daughter of immigrants, um, a sister, an older sister, Um, and, and uh, someone who's really just still in this new season of rediscovering, like, who is Lorena? So that question, I'm like, like yeah, I, I feel like I, I've done that work very well, but I think we went through stuff, and it's, it's really okay and actually a good practice to figure out, like, okay, where am I at now? You know, who am I becoming? So, you know, as a doctora who works in higher ed, with students and 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 uh, professionals to help create opportunities of growth and development, oftentimes we can stop doing that for ourselves. And so I have to just switch gears to also just make sure that I'm taking care of myself and putting myself first. And that was that was hard for a couple of years, I will say. The last three years have been probably some of the toughest years of my life. Um, but I'm like, rising and rising above um above that so 
Yeah, no, that's awesome. And where are your, your parents from or your family? Uh, a little rancho called South Los Marques, which I haven't done enough research. I've asked, but in terms of, you know, our last name is Marques. Um, so it's connected to our ancestors. But I used to go there every summer up until high school. Uh, we were there visiting. And so I, I feel really connected to you know, Mexico and Rancho, um, my grandparents, and I feel like there's, I feel like I'm in this place now as a mother, trying to dig deeper in terms of the land that I came from, right, the land that my parents came from, and, and also like indigenous roots, and um, yeah, trying to really understand, like, I've always had a connection to like the earth like I'm a tree hugger you know um yeah. I love hiking I like being in nature what I know in terms of like the chakras right it's connected to the heart so yeah I feel like now there's more understanding of oh you know mother earth and being able to you know connect with um yeah land you know yeah and that's really nice you know because you mentioned going to Mexico and visiting often and, you know, those memories is just beautiful. And I could tell that you embrace, you know, the culture because your blouse is so pretty. Oh, thank you. Because <laughs> I used to wear, you know, the, the Mexican dress and then to conference and I put a blazer on it. That must've been like 10 years ago. And I remember getting feedback from um, a colega, whose amiga was like, wow, she's like wearing our culture to this conference. And now, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, I think about like my, my upbringing, I didn't see a lot of myself, like as a yeah. born in the eighties, like mm-hmm. I will, I always say Selena was like the first, you know, brown girl, brown girl with curves and dark features that allowed me as, in a, as a teenager to, kind of see myself other than that it was you know blue-eyed blonde straight hair magazines teen magazines yeah. um you know my hair's curly mm-hmm. um yeah so I, it was one of those things where I, I, yeah I feel like I'm I feel like as I grow up more you know because I'm like connected to little Lorenita but yeah you know, as we grow up uh we realize just our power you know and yes um, and like we show up unapologetically you know not to uh the work of Rihanna really right in terms of just being apologetic with like who you are and so um yeah my cultura is a huge part of just how I navigate I think even the episodes that I've listened in terms of you introducing yourself and it's Spanglish right like Mm -hmm. that we bring in language into spaces yeah Um, I think sometimes that it's thought like oh how is your cultura in terms of the earrings or like your blouse and color even color like in terms of is that professional right and yeah you know who I am regardless of what I'm wearing is professional regardless of what color my hair is you know because I've allowed my beautiful silvers to come through and um it's definitely one of those things of just like when you when you're rooted in your your own magic and your own power you just kind of stand confidently that you know it, it reminds me of the four agreements like oh okay yeah like don't like don't uh don't worry about like what other people are thinking basically so yeah 
Yeah. In the, the older we get, the more we're like, Ay, no me importa, me vale. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? That was one of my favorite songs from Mana, me vale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we fill it into the heart. Like, yes. like really, me vale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that's good. You know, you mentioned your daughter's three years old, right? So, and you've been, um, these last three years have been tough. So do you think, because I always hear a lot of moms always sharing, like, once my daughter was born, my goodness, like, it changed my life completely to where, like, my inner, like, traumas me salieron más louder than anything because I wanted to provide for my daughter, but I wasn't, I, I hadn't really done much of the work when I needed to because I was so busy working. I don't know yeah. a lot. What do you think? Yeah. Yes, yes, and yes. Like uh, my mom and I, I mean, I, I love my mom, but my mom and I are just opposites, just different. And I never knew the wound of the mother wound. And I think mm. that it was always there um, in terms of just like we're different. But yeah, I've never, I've never like, um, I've never just disagreed with my mom. We just never have had so many disagreements until after I had a child, you know? And I think a lot of it has to do with the parent and how how she did. And I'm not saying yeah. one is good, one is bad, whatever, it's just different. And I think that that's one of the things that has definitely shown up. I, I think part of, part of me for the, la the last three years that was difficult was I just had a ton of life moments happen all at the same time. And then in the midst of a pandemic. So I had got a new job, became a, like a director manager level, um, moved into a home um, with, uh, with uh, Esperanza's uh, father at that time. At uh, the time we moved together, um, now we're not. So I mean, even that is part of a big life moment. Um, yeah, it, it was just, I became a mother. It was just a lot that happened all at one time. Um, and I feel like I, I think about it, you know, as I reflect, it was just isolation. And it reminds me of the importance of creating community. And, you know, why I created um, Doctora Hood and the Dinner Con Doctoras was to create community for like, you know, the less than 2% that were doctoras. And it just was hard to do that as, I mean, you're right, like as becoming a mom, stuff comes up. But then yeah. on top yeah. of all that stuff, um, yeah, I had a lot of big life moments that just kind of almost disconnected me from myself, but also from people. And I mean, everyone, everyone went through that in some way. Some yeah. Shape or yeah. Yeah. It's tough, you know, being a mom, like, it's like, whoa, it's another little human being. And then it's like, what about me? And so we can lose ourselves sometimes, but, you know, we have this resilience and there's, we're not the first human beings, right. Living in this planet. And I think our ancestors definitely prayed for us and their prayers continue to exist. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I, I just got certified in sound healing and I do feel like, um, that's a part of my connection to like the earth um, energy of my ancestors. Um, but it really was what I needed as I moved beyond um, my own traumas. And so the wounds that I experienced, um, I've been able to understand the importance even more so of just 
energy and frequency and being able to um, provide that one for myself um, and then second and for others. You know? And so now I'm able to just really understand, okay, how do I meet these traumas head on, you know, small T traumas, right? Um, but still significant enough that if we don't do the work, it just becomes something that we continue to drag, drag on. And so um, yeah. you know, becoming a mother is almost like a blessing in that way, I would say. Like it's, the stuff has to be dealt with because you don't want to, or I choose not to carry it on. And, you know, now I'm saying like, I'm a cycle breaker and carrying that, that kind of identifier is not something I thought about. You know, I kept, I kept hearing generational, uh, cycle breakers and but now to be able to understand what that means because I've lived through some stuff um becoming a mother and just the situation in terms of the the partnership that I had um now I'm in this place where I'm doing my healing um I'm feeling all the feelings <laughs> and doing the healing to be able to just like rise above it yeah porque si se puede you know yeah <laughs> and we have to too you know we have to we have to put ourselves first and sometimes yeah it's hard I'm not gonna I mean I'm not gonna sit here saying like let's put ourselves first as a statement like it's just it's hard it's really hard I think I appreciate you asking that question because it makes me think of just where I where I have struggled with you know I mentioned my mom first but just every every person in my inner circle family you know like mm -hmm. I don't, I have, I don't have a, a nuclear family that I've created. So it's very different, right? Like the experience that uh, I will go through with my daughter as a single mom is unknown to anyone in my immediate family circle. Um, but I do feel like I'm okay. Like I'm okay. And, and I know that they know I'll be okay, but I think that we're all in this unknown and it's kind of navigating like my own struggles of asking for help, but also being okay with how people receive that, that request, you know, because I think, I mean, I, I'm an Aries, so I think people, I've heard my sister specifically talk about um, my bossiness since I was little, but, you know, I take that as like, well, I just know I'm very direct and I know how to get things done. So I'm just trying to make sure to get the support I need, but I, but it, it's also meant, I think it's just meant differently in your inner circle family, yeah, you know, like, because, yeah, because I, like, just, I don't know what it is, but, but they're also my first, I mean, they're my, they're my rocks in terms of, they're there for me, even if um, it doesn't feel the best, but I think it's, that's the stuff to work through still, so, yeah, 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 yeah. no, you're right, because many, you know, let's say Mexican families are like, no, siempre tienes que estar con, con tu marido or like a partner because that's a family, but it's not true, um, right? Because you and your daughter are family and obviously everyone else, right? And and like you said, you are going to be okay because growing up in my family, I would see couples and even though they've been with each other for so many years, there's no love, there's no mm -hmm. connection, Uno está en un cuarto, el otro el otro, and it's like, oh my gosh, like the only thing that keeps them together are the kids, and it's so unhealthy, and there's so much disrespect. So, mm -hmm. you know, so it is, it's just different, right, for everybody. 
Yeah, yeah. I think you know. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a nerd. So you're you're saying how like in terms of as a doctora mommy, like I read and dive into all the books and research. And so for me, there was like I had to let go of that and just be okay with what it was happening in the present. So you know, me and Esperanza are are going to be okay, even though. You know, if I look at the messaging of media and it's it's this nuclear family, it's the picket white fence. I mean, that's what you get fed. And so I think, you know, I, I, I put in the time and the energy to try to make that happen. But like you said, if it's not going to be, I mean, a partnership is a partnership. And so mm-hmm. I've, I've been able to understand like how you can put a lot of like hope into uh, an experience, a person, um, a project even, right? But yeah. you also have to be able to like sit in the reality in the present and also be okay to just kind of yes. make the move to take care of yourself. And I think a lot of that was because I wasn't putting myself first. And, you know, the moment that I started to put myself first, I just started to realize like, this is good for all, all involved. Whether it feels like that right now, it, 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 at the end of the day, I know it is. And I'm a, I'm a highly spiritual person. Yeah. And I believe that God's plans are, are the plans that will, you know, take us to this, mm-hmm. the space that we need to be. Maybe not right now, but just like anything that has happened in the past when you don't have understanding, it comes, you know, it comes. And so, yeah, I, I pray that I pray and continue to just, you know, meditate and uh, reflect and journal to take care of my own to take care of myself to be my best version of me for my daughter, for myself, for my family, for my friends, for, for, you know, this experience that we call life that quite honestly is very short. So, yeah. Yeah, it is right. So making the best out of it as much as we can. And sometimes we're not going to be so happy and chippy, but that's okay. It's like, you know, a little roller coaster, but at the end of the day, we'll be okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what made you be a doctora? Una doctora chingona. Like, what made you be a doctora? Uh, it was tragedy. Ironically, it was tragedy. I lost a student on uh, on campus at Cal Poly Pomona when I worked there, and I I always had it in my heart. Like, I wrote down get a PhD. I didn't know you can get an EDD and a PsychD. So, you know, there's a lot of forms of doctorates, mm-hmm. but it was one of my like things to do um uh and uh losing that student just made me realize like how important it is to have certain titles um unfortunately and also like as part of just creating positionality uh I just I just knew I had to be at the table and getting that degree was going to help me support creating changes that were more systematic uh, at an institution of higher education and beyond and so that's what pushed me into it. But in terms of my heart was was always just, like I said, like, I, I mean, I tell people with a lot of onus of like, I'm a nerd, you know, so I like to read. I mean, I enjoy being able to like dive into learning. I'm a life, lifelong learner. Um, but I think when I got there, you also start realizing just how the system isn't made for you because I was one of four and it was just two of us that completed. And, you know, she's now like 
a badass chingona like community college uh president of a whole district uh, oh wow <laughs> nice so, you know, and that was like my doctoral bestie um doctora tina king she's amazing um but 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 i think you know being able to get to that point was with not just alone it was because i had mentors and femtors that that showed me how to stay connected to you know my passion which was always connected to familia and cultura so i mean i got my masters at azusa pacific university and there is where I, you know, question this white evangelical Christian campus um, on the way that they engaged familia and like the community was predominantly Latinx, um, transient immigrant, you know, coming and going. And so I was in charge of a fourth grade college headed and mighty proud program. And I incorporated like a family day as part of the program because they were educating fourth graders about going to college and the research says it's like that's the grade that students get influenced. Um, but I was like, well, where are the parents or yeah. um, their you know? So it was, you know, it's like bringing in my own cultural knowing, my own experience of like my dissertation was on parent engagement in higher education for Chicanx Latinx student success because I brought my parents to my our Dialos Muertos on campus. I brought my parents to my wards and ceremonies. The institution still wasn't wasn't, isn't um, really thinking of community and connection and cultura at that format. And so, um, so my, my experience, just my trajectory in terms of my higher education was I was always just bringing my cultura, you know, the story of like what I'm wearing, right, is yeah. because I wanted to bring it to a space that still felt like those teen magazines that had blue-eyed and blonde-haired um, women in the front. And so, unfortunately, uh, institutions at that time and, and still systematically are are uh, mainstream white and patriarchal um now you know with hsi hispanic serving institution um um uh designations it's it's more of like how many of us are there versus still the component you know questioning like well how are you serving us you know yeah how do you how do you print stuff in spanish how do you have parent involvement I mean when I think about parent involvement I think about my mom and dad and PTA yeah you know like it was just okay mandar dinero in the little yellow envelope yeah but they didn't have time to come to meetings and whatnot um the meetings were like during school right during work um mm -hmm. not not consideration of like immigrant working parents uh, so that's where you know I learned I learned at Cal Poly through the experiences as a student uh, activist there to do parent bilingual conference on Saturday. And we had, I mean, parents want to know, you know, the, yeah. the rhetoric is like, oh, no entienden, like, oh, they don't care about higher education. No, yeah. that's what you want us to believe. If you make the art, if you shift to cater to us, you know, the niche yeah. of Latino, Latinx parents, then they'll show up. But, um, but yeah, uh -huh. I think that, that, that just literally got me to become, you know, a doctora mommy who is always thinking about, okay, how do I, honestly, now, like, now I have words for it. Now, how do I, how do I cultivate the matriarchy, you know, in institutions mm -hmm. of higher education? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're so right. And then talking, yeah, talking about the parents who, you know, don't go por esa, por vergüenza, verdad, por miedo, al, el lenguaje, 
Um, and once they, they get a sense of like a safe space that they can, oh, I'm, I'm going to be heard, then they start to cooperate. So that's really awesome that you did that. And um, it, it's really awesome because I think of the doctor degree and I'm like, oh my God, there's a lot of research, but research is so important. It's so like interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like amazing. And it'll right here, it'll be uh, whatever you're interested in, you know? So like, yeah. Say like when I when I host events with um my doctorahood platform, I'm now in a space of like I'm not trying to convince anyone to get a doctorate. It's if it's in your heart and if it's uh, uh financially accessible too, because that's a, a true statement. Yeah. Um, then do it. But I think it's also like making sure that you understand like you get to research stuff that's already like right here in your yeah. your head, your heart. It's already in alignment. My first topic. Of idea of of ideating a dissertation topic was the impact of Selena on Chicana Latinas. Oh my God, that's so good. That was like my first topic idea, but I was kind of like, is that related to like higher ed, right? Like questioning myself. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I landed where I landed, but it was it was really about like because she influenced, you know. She and now did. I think about like. I still think that should be someone's research. Maybe I'll do that later. You're, you're inspiring me to get back to it. But yeah, I, you know, I have like literally like this is, I mean, I'm, I don't know if you can see, right. I have all these like Latina products, like right in front of me. Oh have, yeah. Good. Have, like, because that's like, I know that the more that we are successful and support each other, mm-hmm. um, the more that we will be able to like just own like whatever's inside of us, our own, like, I, I, you know, I call it brown mujer magia, you know, in terms of, it's already, it's already there. It's just gets, I mean, I think now, nowadays, like Chicana Latinas, there's still a lot of work to do, but I think there's more that they see, right. That looks like them. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm 43 years old. Like I grew up in a time where I just did not see myself and mm-hmm. I'm blessed to be able to, you know, have a daughter who will see visuals all over her home. Um, we'll see yeah. opportunities in terms of when the, the dolls I get to choose to buy her and also ask my siblings to buy her, right? Like, I mean, my sister and I, who's a year younger, um, they said, we played with, you know, Barbies. And back then, Barbie wasn't... Uh, I know. Issa Rae, you know, because I see that Issa Rae is going to be on that new Barbie movie. Like, you know, like, I feel like those are those are huge components to becoming a, a, a mommy and a doctora and bringing those two together. Because I'm always looking at, like, how is my decisions and also what I put in front of me um, influencing her? Because I know what influenced me, right? Or I knew, I know what made me feel less than in terms of not seeing myself. And I never want, you know, my role as a, as a mommy is to make sure that, that um, I never give, that I never give her that messaging, whether, you know, she gets it somewhere else, that's another story, um, but that she sees her brownness as strong, you know, as fuerte, as magical, as beautiful, um, as creative, as bold. I mean, we do affirmations, you know, and just recently we started because I call her Espy Luz because her name is Esperanza Lucia uh, with the Z. Um, oh, 
Yeah, but so more recently, I'm like, my sister was like, I don't think she knows her name is Esperanza. So most recently, we started to say the affirmation, I am Esperanza. And she'll say, okay. I am Esperanza. I <laughs> that's cute. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I think as I'm hearing you speak, it's like, you know, the more we implement knowledge in our lives and we open our, you know, horizons, we are able to make these uh, mindful decisions for ourselves and for our children, right? Like you said, the dolls, you know, I grew up with just, you know, white dolls, but now it's like morenitas and it's like, oh my God, even though I'm 42, yo, está, yo me las compro and I don't have a daughter. <laughs> And I, I, I spoil my, I spoil my little girl too. Yeah. I love that. I love that. As you know, I'm working on the mother one with my, with my mommy, with my own mommy. And, um, I heard someone share, I forget where, but basically like play dolls with your mom. And I'm just like, Oh, that would be. Esperanza is teaching us quite honestly. Like, I mean, because when she's playing, then I'm playing and then my mom's playing. I feel like there's so much, there's so much like, um, there's so much like love that can be shared, you know, because becoming moms naturally for most is nurturing. And I think just hearing you say like you're playing with dolls, it reminds me of like, yeah, we have to do it for ourselves, right? Like with the dolls that look like us, imagine our mothers right like yeah my mom was one of she had all brothers all brothers of like seven um and she was a nurturer way before her time right before she she didn't I don't think she got to play so those are aspects that even if I think about what would her dolls have looked like in the rancho right oh right yeah the, the trapos and stuff like yeah. that yeah, yeah little like my 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 grandma was a seamstress so I'm sure she would have made something because my mom picked that up too but yeah I think I think it's like all all we can do is be in gratitude for where we're at and the support we had but then still you know not just pay it forward but also you know look back and and allow for our, our parents and our loved ones to also experience that like taking them to Disneyland for our our birthday month Esperanza and I um someone asked like your parents still like going to Disneyland and I'm like I think they like because they see my daughter you know they want to experience joy and and I hope that that joy is also just what helps them or allows them to be playful as well you know yeah no yeah you're right I mean I don't play with my dolls pero las colecto <laughs> pero you're so right yeah definitely because you know I you know I saw a video of this one um mom Mexican mom que siempre iba a la a la, a la tiendita de la esquina en México y agarraba unas donas o no que no quiero que eran unas donas unas galletas and the logo was a little tiny doll and oh. she would cut it out. Did you ever see that video? I don't know if you did. Oh. No. So um, this daughter, she ended up remembering, like, you know, my mom would cut out this little pedacito de the the character of the logo of the galletas. And that would she would play with that as pretend that was her doll. So oh. she ended up creating the same doll in like a bigger, you know, version. Oh, and it was so nice. And and I was like, wow, like esa imaginación, ese deseo, right? To just yeah. like 
want to play as as little girls but wow that's that's really awesome you know that you are definitely representing you know our our community through your work and everything and, and your daughter you're teaching her things that are just like beautiful and you named her a very beautiful name Esperanza Luz oh that's so cute and wow. yeah. hope and life hope and life Lucia is from Andalusia the, the place in Spain from the book The Alchemist oh and yeah it, oh okay Esperanza is from the book Esperanza Rising mm. um so, and then I've always, I mean, I've always liked the name Esperanza, but it was my brother who reminded me because originally her name was going to be Luna and my mom was like, ¿Qué es eso? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy, like it just, because now we look at the Luna um, to connect to, you know, our ancestors and she's, she's very connected to the, to the Luna. So um, I think, you know, I think she knew because I would talk to her before um but I think it's one of those things where it's just a, a small child is not her responsibility to bring us together um but she brings more awareness consciousness really of areas to work on and yeah I can only take responsibility for what I can work on um but I know that like I've never seen my parents as affectionate as I've seen them and that's a beautiful thing but it also brought up my own stuff of like how come I didn't get that, you know? And so, you know, going to my therapist and talking about that because um, how do I give that to myself now? So that's why I'm like, when you brought up the whole, you buy your dolls, you know, I think that, that there's so much to do. Like there's a lot of conversation around inner child work, but it's like the practice of just mm -hmm. talking to little you because yeah. I, I, I feel like little you is always around. You know, and it's only it's only gonna show up. And so, how do you how do you soothe little little you when stuff comes up um, and yeah. do that work? You know. Yeah, you're right. When I catch myself being anxious, or like when when I get this feeling of abandonment, because I've always clashed with my mom. So whenever I get this feeling of like, oh, I'm not liked, or I've been rejected, I I yeah. I, talk, I soothe and I talk to myself, and I'm just like, no, estás bien you are loved, you're important. And it's like, whenever I hear like the inner child, for me, the age is like my teenager. So I oh. see, yeah. And, and my teenager, because that's the stage that I needed so much guidance and validation and affection. And I didn't get it. So now I'm just like, okay, my adult self is talking to that teenager and saying like, no, you know, and, and it's, it's just amazing how like, it would have been great to know that before, but as we get older, we start learning <laughs> trial and yeah. error, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, but um, well, the question for you would be like, you know, for the listeners, you know, you're a doctora mom and you embrace a cultura. So what three advice or takeaways um, would you suggest the listeners, like if they have like this, like, oh, I would like to go back to school, um, or, you know, not just for those who have masters that want to get doctrine like them too, but those yeah. who also that like, like, they're like, man, I just graduated from high school. I had kids. I moved on. I feel disconnected. Like, or, or what advice do you have? Like what three takeaways could you share? Yeah. I think the first one I always go to that's connected to anything in, in what we're experiencing in life is we center yourself. Um, know yourself and love yourself is is literally the name of a class that I would teach um, to 
high schoolers, elementary, college, you name it. It's just know yourself and love yourself. Because I think in my experience, when I'm in myself, centering myself, uh, putting myself first, and that has been hard as a, a mommy, um, that's when the best stuff comes. And it's like, it's the best form of like medicina, quite honestly, when you're doing like your own work. So that looks different for people, but that can be therapy, that can be groups, that can be hikes, that can be yoga, but just do, but if you don't know yourself, you can't come back to your own medicina. So that would be like my, my number one, like just related to anything and everything in life. I think second, in terms of higher education and having some thoughts around pursuing a master's or doctorate is talk to a, a mentor or mentor. And th that can be someone from high school. You know, if, 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 um, if you haven't had that, that can be someone from work experience, uh, just someone that you can rely on that has more lived experience than yourself to be able to tap into their, their wisdom. And, um, and then, you know, third, I would say, stay connected to, to my platform. Um, so I have a website and it's going to be inspired, it's inspired by my daughter. Uh, the website is IamEsperanza.com. And on there, I have opportunities for folks to just do like one-on-one, -on -one, 15 minute uh, conversations, femtering, um, opportunities for the events, uh, dinner con doctoras is not just for doctoras. Um, if you look up the hashtag on IG, dinner con doctoras, it's for anyone just thinking about what you just asked, right? Like, where do I go in higher ed? Um, but it also connects you with a bunch of like chingonas that are doing the things. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that the platform is growing. I Like I had mentioned, I'm doing some sound healing. Um, and right now I'm just participating in community events. But, you know, I want to get the community. So Doctora Hood is a, in reference to being hooded and also the hood you come from mm. and being a doctora, right? And so yeah. not, it's what you mentioned earlier, like that I represent the culture. Well, I, re I represent the culture, but I also represent like the hood that I came from, right? And I want... And I know many doctoras and future doctoras who who don't want to disconnect from where they come from, whether that makes you think of your parents, whether it makes you think of your país um, that your parents are from, um, your hood that you grew up in. I think that that's an important component of, you know, circling back to point number one, knowing yourself and loving yourself, that you, you know who you are and you therefore are very comfortable bringing that to institution of higher education, a workspace, a relationship, a yeah. project initiative that you don't um, allow for anyone to shake your roots because you are so grounded and you're, mm -hmm. you're ready to just stay like in your position of rising. I was a big yoga person. So for me, I keep thinking of tree pose, you know, oh, yeah. you just, you're rooted and you're rising. And so, yeah, I would say those are the, the three things for now. I mean, I, I could, I could give more, but for sure. <laughs> Um, and find your people, find your crew, find your, your gente. There's a lot of good people out there. And I think if we really stop and just journal to write about like how we're feeling, we can stay connected to those people that keep us grounded. Yeah, you're so right. Oh, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge and um, your heart. Um, te lo agradecemos and definitely um, so they can find you on Instagram right um, Doctora Hood right Doctora or, Hood uh, uh, underscore oh underscore okay 
Yeah. Okay. All right. And I'll be putting all of your um, links on the notes section para que te contacten. But yeah. thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so happy to have had the opportunity to chat with you. And I appreciate all you do because when mm -hmm. I listen to your podcast, it makes me feel okay. Me too. You know, like not alone. Yeah, sí, porque no estamos solas. Estamos regadas durante todo el mundo, pero unidas, yeah. aunque haya distancia, kind of thing, right? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, so thank you so much, Chicana and Latina Moms, for listening. Stay tuned for more. Adiós. Gracias por escuchar. Thank you so much for tuning in the Chicana and Latina Moms podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Chicana underscore Latina Moms podcast. And also, don't forget to leave a review. Gracias. Hey, my Chicana and Latina sisters, please do not forget to leave a review and give me your feedback. I would really appreciate it. This also helps other new listeners know what we're about. Gracias. Hola, Chicana and Latina Moms. ¿Cómo están? Espero que estén muy bien. I have been missing for a while because I've been so busy, but I will never let go of our podcast here, Chicana and Latina Moms. Life is busy sometimes, but we sometimes tenemos que poner el freno y decir, okay, I've been going, 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 and I need to stop and recharge. So that's very important. If we don't do that, no one's going to do it for us, right? So we have to take a deep breath. <laughs> um, you guys, my son turned 21 years old. I can't believe it. I have a son who's 21 and I have another son who's 14. He's going to be 15 in September. It's so crazy how, how time flies. Like I miss him as babies, but I understand ¿Verdad? Los caminos de la vida. <laughs> Como la canción. Like, they have to grow up and uh, experience things that, you know, that is needed for them to develop their character and and uh, just learn about life, you know. But time flies. So para las que tienen los babies, oh my God. Uh, I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm not like that fertile myself, you guys. Like I'm not that fertile. And I guess I don't know if that's a blessing or not, but you know, it is what it is. Ni modo, que se le hace. But anyways, um in today's episode, I would like to talk about a topic que a veces no se habla. Um and that topic is the kids that come into a new relationship. What I mean by that is like you as a mother um, get with somebody and your child is a baby, three years old, four years old, five. And that new partner comes into your life and helps you raise your child, your son or daughter. Then later on, ¿verdad? La vida está pasando. Hay problemas And then you and your partner separate. And then that little boy, little girl that was raised by that step-parent no longer has a relationship with that step-parent because there's animosity between you and the other parent. 
it's really sad um, to hear this, but I also conduct sessions um, for parents who don't get along, um, parents who are going through the court system and who are not able to co-parent. And it's so sad that, yes, they're going to court because, you know, they both want 50-50 custody for the, the, the children that they both had. But then there's that other children. There's always that the daughter that is now 16 because that step-parent raised her or that young boy who's 17 um, or 13 that that, step, that step-parent raised him. And everyone in the court is talking about, you know, the kids they had together, but no one's talking about the kiddos who were brought in into that relationship because that that child their biological parent are out of the picture. And so then there's a step-parent that stepped up and now that step-parent doesn't want to step up anymore because it's like, well, you're not my responsibility. You're not my responsibility. You're your mom's. You're not even my biological child. So why would I have to take care of you? That is one of the saddest things to hear. And I've heard parents say that, step-parents. And then I hear step-parents talking out of anger. And then they realize, like, I feel bad. I do love that kid. I raised him or raised her. But I don't know how to move on from here because the mom hates me. How can I reach out to, you know, their child when that their child is in the mom's side? And I don't know what to do. I feel like they probably hate me because whatever it is that happened and why they broke up. That's very common, you guys, and it's so sad. So if there's step-parents that decided to step in and raise a child, you know, of your partner, because it could be you as a mom too, right? You meet someone and, you know, your boyfriend or your fiance, you guys get together and he comes with the package because, you know, he has a daughter or a son and you raise that little boy and that little girl. Y luego crecen. ¿Y qué ocurre? Se separan. And then you don't see that little boy and little girl because the dad doesn't want to see you. And because they don't want to see you, they don't let that child have a relationship with you either. So it goes both ways. And those kids are in the middle. It's double trauma. Sometimes their biological parent um, doesn't want anything to do with them. And then here comes that step-parent. And then again, another, you know, uh, father or mother figure doesn't want them in their life. And that is so sad. Um, if you are that mother who separated from that step parent who helped you raise your biological child, you know, and you haven't put them in therapy, that's an option there. Let Give them a space to to open up. If you have Medi-Cal, you can, um, you know, use a Medi-Cal for therapy with an agency where you live in the area where you live. Um, you can also seek the support of the school and see they can link the child to therapy. If they're an adolescent, you can still do the same thing. A veces no se prestan. Um, but if you have a good relationship with your child, then it helps because you get to talk to them and encourage them to get that support. Therapy helps because they feel that at some point they get to explain their version. You know, if you were married to the step parent um, and you go to court and everyone's talking about the, the kids, right? The biological kids between both of you, but no one's talking about the child, you know, that 
is, is yours, right? That you brought in into that relationship. So maybe at this point it's like, hey, I know you're affected too. And because I love you and you're important to me, um, I, I do encourage you to talk to a therapist and kind of give them an input as to what to expect. If you've been to therapy, if you have not been to therapy yourself and you don't know how to navigate this, it's also helpful for you to seek therapy. Many people will say therapy is very expensive, but I do want to add this, you guys, that um, cuando se quiere, se puede, right? And you, if you have medical, if you have insurance, um, don't give up. See, if you call somewhere, you leave a message and they don't answer, keep calling. Find someone, to a professional to come and help you with tools to navigate this because you wouldn't want your child, right? That child that was brought into that relationship um, to eventually have so many like dysfunctional relationships in their life because if one, their biological parent you know, abandoned them. And then here you have a step-parent who stepped in and then stepped out. And it's sad. It's really, really sad. Um, so therapy is a suggestion, obviously. Um, you know, there's books. Yes, we can say that. Some people don't like to read, but that's okay. Um, there's videos. Um, there, if you're part of a church attending a retreat, I mean, agárrense de lo que puedan para poder ayudarse because si no lo hacen, va a haber muchas cosas, muchas consecuencias, um, en la vida and your child, all your children matter. So do you, but because this episode, I'm only focusing on the kiddos who are the ones that are paying the price. The ones que, que se olvidan, no hay muchos, I mean, it, they're kind of just pushed to the side and that's not okay. When I do the co-parenting sessions and one of, you know, a parent says, well, you know, my child that you helped me grow, raise when they were little, they still love you, but you haven't reached out. And sometimes the other parent just says, well, how do you want me to if they're choosing your side? And it's just assumptions. And the other parents like, I don't tell them to choose size. You're the adult. You need to reach out to them. And that's what import, That's what's important, you guys. Us, the adults, have to take the step forward. You can't leave that responsibility on a 10-year-old, right? 5-year-old, 15-year-old, heck, even 16-year-old to make that attempt to reach out to you when they're all they're observing around them is negativity because of the animosity, maybe the courts, restraining orders. I mean, revenge strategies. I don't know. I say that because some people go out of their way and slash tires and it's crazy. And then the kids are aware of that and it's chaos. But us, the adults, have the responsibility to take that first step. If you as a mother, uh, if you were a stepmother and you no longer have a relationship with that child because of the animosity, but there's a way somewhere that you can reach out to them, do it. If you want, of course, right? Um, because que vas a perder, you know? Maybe they're not ready and pues sabes que, that's it. If they're not ready to talk to you, it's understandable. Maybe the time will come. Sometimes maybe it won't at the end of the day, but, but that child is going to become an adult one day. And maybe one day they're going to look for you, but they're also going to have a resentment of like, why didn't you look for me? 
But if your child, okay, that lives with you and their stepfather, you know, is out of the picture and you don't, can't stand them or whatever, um, don't ever talk bad about the stepfather to ex-stepfather. I don't even know what to say, stepfather, ex-stepfather. <laughs> um, or maybe the child will always perceive them as not even a stepfather, but the father. And if you feel that you're interfering too much in their relationship because you can't stand that maybe he cheated or he did whatever, you have to be very careful with that because it's not fair that your child will pay the price for your anger towards someone that chose to do something that has nothing to do with you. And I say that because we all behave the way we feel. So there's sometimes people that will do things to you, but we forget that it's a reflection of them due to their traumas. And although they might blame us or blame other people or whatever, at the end of the day is justifications for their pain, for their suffering and traumas and everything. We don't want these kiddos to fall through the cracks. It's not fair. I have always told all of my clients that, especially the single mothers um, who have boys, if that father figure, the biological father and the step-parent are not involved in their males, obviously, <laughs> they're not involved, then it's our responsibility as mothers to make sure that we seek either a male therapist, we make sure we put them in sports with male role models, and of course, with schools, you can't really like, you know, there's more female teachers than males, but it would be great to have more male teachers so that they are able to provide that role model, a male role model um, for our boys. And I've talked about the boy crisis, and it's, it's a big thing, you guys. There's a lot of uh, fatherless children in, in our world, especially, I mean, females and, and boys. But when, when we talk about the crisis, the boy crisis, is that a lot of boys lack what a true father and what a man is. Not a little boy, because there's a lot of 40, 50-year-olds out there still behaving like little boys. So we have to be able to make sure that we raise our kids to be eventually, you know, that young boy, young man, um, and then young girl, right, to a young adult, female, um, and not have them be stuck. Because the sad thing in reality, it is, you guys, that not everyone reaches maturity. Not everybody reaches maturity. Doesn't matter how old we are. You can be 40, 50, 60, whatever, but you can be very immature and make very um, unhealthy choices for yourself and for your kids. Um, so we want to make sure that we get all of these resources that we can and bring mentors into our kids if you feel that it's not enough for you to, to provide. Because sometimes as parents, we're not going to have all the answers or the you know, solutions or whatever, but we need to be able to reach out to this universe that God gave us, right? This universe that's full of resources with people um, that we can utilize to implement knowledge and empower ourselves as a community. Chicanas and Latinas, we grew up seeing a lot of our moms dismiss many things. We can't let that happen anymore, you guys. We can't. Cuando tú estabas llorando en tu cuarto o querías un, un, 
un abrazo, whatever it is, and you needed your mother or your father, and no te lo daban porque no es que no querían o porque no saben o porque estaban trabajando, lo que sea. You know, we were able all, to, I think most of us were able to see that a lot. And now we cannot continue that pattern. Now we have to be able to empower ourselves as mothers and say, uh-uh, I'm not going to continue this generational trauma. I want to be able to let my kids know what it is and what it feels like to express emotions, to, to know what problems are, and then see the other outcome, the other side of the coin, which is the, the solving part. So whenever you have your kids kind of witness, I'm not saying domestic violence because that's like excessive and we don't want that to happen. So you have to be very careful. If you're a very aggressive mother and you're just like, you know, me vale lo que piense, and you're always verbally attacking the father or like in front of your kids, like you got to like watch out for that. Be very, very careful because that's still considered at some point domestic violence because That means that there's been yelling every single day and there's a big disconnection from your being with those who you live with. So be very careful. If you went through things, you know, you have the right to feel sad and frustrated, but be very careful into how you bring that into the table because we're talking about, you know, that step-parent coming in into a relationship, helping you raise a child or vice versa, right? You helping them raise their child. And If you as a couple are not able to meet halfway to nurture, you know, that relationship um, and it becomes very toxic and you know it's toxic, sometimes we, we function as adults or as human beings. Like it's kind of like consequences like drive us. Is that weird? Like las consecuencias como que nos da esa motivación to who knows what, but we can don't always have to wait for a consequence to then say, oh my God, now I'm going to change my life. Like you don't have to always get to that consequence. You, there's prevention. There's that word prevent, prevention, nurture your relationship. You don't always have to be yelling. If you're yelling and you dislike your partner, why are you with him? Why are you with him? It is so challenging sometimes you guys and it's not easy but it's challenging sometimes to leave a very toxic relationship I totally get that I was there myself he was like verbally abusive y yo tampoco me dejaba and he was very controlling and I couldn't stand that and I can say like wow que bueno que no me dejé but at some point maybe maybe at some point I could have just not said anything things could have been better who knows right but it is what it is because at that point it didn't work out But it's very important to be able to help ourselves to be centered. And centered takes us time. No, no es tan fácil. But when it comes to these kiddos observing how adults behave, it's tough sometimes. Because if the adults are not able to kind of filter and um, implement knowledge with different tools to change, then it's ongoing chaos and that's where DCFS kicks in, you know, and then the kids are removed. I've worked with so many families whose kids have been removed and it's so sad to see how the mother and father are like suffering because they want their kids back and the kids want to go back to their parents. But we have to understand this is a reality that sometimes as parents, we're not perfect. 
we're not perfect y la vamos a regar. A lo mejor la hemos regado, la estamos regando y la vamos a regar, but we have to be kind of be more like mindful of like, okay, ¿cómo es que la estamos regando? You know what I mean? We have to be mindful. The more you are, are focused on your triggers, the more aware you're going to know as to, okay, this triggers me. And the last time I responded like this, ¿y cómo me fue? Ah, no, mis niños me estaban viendo. Um, you know, I personally, you guys, I'm going to share something. Um, I grew up seeing my mom always verbally abuse my father all the time. That even though I'm like 43, I mean, she's kind of calmed down, but it still triggers me. Like seeing how she always verbally, and I'm not saying that it's like, oh, poor my dad, my dad's perfect. I'm not saying that. But I maybe some of you can, um, you know, relate to this. But it was so annoying. I always found myself defending my father all the time because I couldn't stand that verbal abuse. But my mom did also ver verbally abuse to me growing up. So that was another trigger. But then she was, my mother was uh, traumatized verbally. And who knows other things that she doesn't want to share But there was a time in my life that I was able to assess like, oh my God, I sound like my mother and I don't want to do that. And that's a generational trauma because obviously she's a, the female role model in my life. And obviously there's positive things about her, right? But in this case of talking about how we behave as mothers and how we maybe push our partners away or even the, how the fathers push us away too, you know, it goes both ways también. But You know, because this podcast is Chicana and Latina Moms, <laughs> I'm highlighting the importance of how we need to be mindful of what we also bring to the table so that we avoid our kiddos from suffering. And although we cannot, okay, reality is, reality is that we will not be able to stop suffering 100% or at all in life. Like, we're not going to say, oh, if I raise my child this way, no va a sufrir. Like, no, that's a lie. Todos vamos a sufrir, hemos sufrido y lo que sea en diferentes maneras. But the thing is that we want to give our kids a tool so when that day comes, they have a backbone. And they're not fragile. Y no se, como dice, no se los va a tragar la tierra to where they're like, Or they're, I don't know if that's the right word or not, but no van a caer y no se van a sentir tan frágiles. O, o a lo mejor, ¿verdad? Es el, ese es el miedo de que, y no es bien callado y pues se, no, y me lo, se van a aprovechar de él. Well, then you have to assess, do you do a lot of things for him or her? Right? If they're already going through things, for example, what I started sharing, right? If there's that little boy that you're your ex was helping you raise um, and now you have this little boy and you feel bad for him because oh no su papá no lo quiso cuando estaba chico verdad y ahora el step el step parent padrazo tampoco ay siento feo y porque siento feo I'm gonna parent out of guilt and I'm gonna buy him everything he wants because I feel bad I feel like I'm the one that probably did this to him Um, I mean, it takes two, so it don't blame yourself completely, like a hundred percent, you know, and it's like, ay, que quieres, mijo, y esto, and then there's no backbone. And then, God forbid, something happens, obviously, because vamos a poner viejitas después. <laughs> Pero todavía no, todavía no. Por cuando lleguemos a eso, entonces, you know, want to make sure that, like, I feel confident my, my child is intelligent enough 
Because there's many parents who are older because of the way they parented and it, they didn't, they know they like messed up. Even though their child is like 20, 30, 40, whatever years old, they still feel this need of controlling is because they've never felt that their parenting skills were like, I mean, they weren't confident with their parenting skills. That's what I'm trying to say. And so they will always continue to doubt their children because it's like, well, le tengo que decir que tiene que hacer. Que cuide a los niños. Que no, que no le da de comer. Que, I mean, all of these things. And it's like, cuídalos. Y esto, y el otro, y el otro. It's because they don't trust themselves. And they don't trust you because they're the ones that raised you. Even though you're an adult and you know you're capable of doing. They are in this mindset of thinking like, like my child is stupid, which is so sad to think. But I mean, I think at that point, that's what they mean, right? Because it's like, wait a minute, do you think I'm incompetent here that I can't like feed my kids? Like, why do you always have to tell me? Why do you always have to tell me to get that is a comedia? Because my mom's done that. And I'm like, wait a minute, what the heck? Does she not think I'm competent enough to feed my kids? Obviously, I am. But then obviously, as the therapist and assessing and all that, I understand that those are her insecurities. Because she knows she messed up. right? It is what it is. But we don't want to be that way. We want to change it to where we don't, when we have a child, you know, I mean, all the children, of course, but because I'm targeting those kiddos who are kind of pushed to the side, like from the biological father or by the, the then later on by the step parent. Um, or maybe there's no step parent, it's just a biological father, right? But they feel lost. They feel like they don't belong. Because then it was like, okay, I was the only child. And then my mom met this partner. And then they had kids. So that's, they're a family, but where's mine? They feel disconnected. And if you've never had a conversation with that child and say, how do you feel about what's going on? Maybe you have. And for those that haven't, it's very important to remind them that just because those two people, right? An example of the biological father and the step parent, just because those two people are are not in their life does not mean that they will not do great things. And that doesn't mean that they're not important. They matter and they have great things to do because the absence of a father and a mother speaks volumes in every human being, you guys. And that, when it speaks volumes, there's a message there. Because if you were to, if I were to ask you, do you love your life, even though you grew up without that father? And if you say yes, well, look, it's because it's kind of like saying thank you. I know it's going to sound a little weird, but hear me out. It's like you saying, telling your father, thank you for teaching me not to be like you because I love who I am without you. That's powerful. I can't imagine, you know, someone who has grown up without that father figure or mother figure. And although many of us grew up with our mother and father, but they were disconnected emotionally, it's kind of the same thing. So at some extent, right? At some extent. We're not going to compare because I know they're absent physically because sometimes there's parents that are there physically, but they're not. They're like totally disconnected. So 
everyone perceives their situation, their way, and there's not a wrong or, I mean, yeah, there's not a right or wrong way. But I do highlight the importance of don't parent out of guilt. Give your children that gift of discipline. Discipline is another word for um, disciple, which means to teach. We want to teach them that when there's a problem, I want you to think of solutions to solve it because we're not going to always be there, you guys, and we want to empower them. They deserve to be given that space to feel intelligent and that space that we trust them because if you're always like trying to shelter them, it's just not going to work out. And there's going to be a lot of problems, a lot of problems. So it's hands on, hands off, you know, and for that child that has lost, well, the biological parent and a step parent, let them know they're important because they have you and they have others around them that love them. And it's a proven fact that they're going to be okay. Why? Because you're going to implement what is needed. If you don't implement anything or give them a space to learn about themselves as they grow up, right now because they're little, it's like una ventaja grande because you still get to decide, like, I would like you to go to therapy. Yeah, and they're in therapy, it's out of your hands. Let the therapist kind of do the work to be able to help them open up. And it works out. I mean, I say this because I'm a therapist and I've had kiddos that are sometimes very shy, pero agarran confianza and then they start like talking. And it's just so amazing to see them get to learn more about themselves at a very young age. And it's just awesome. But I just want to touch base about this because um, I see it a lot. And, you know, it's important. It's important. So thank you so much for listening. Les deseo todo lo mejor. And stay tuned for more. Y yeah, <laughs> stay tuned for more. Cuídense. Adiós.